Welcome to Real Financial Planning, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Morton, the host of Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs, which is an excellent podcast for people who care about their personal financial situation. If you don't care about your personal financial situation, don't listen to Mike Morton's yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> don't also, worry about it. this show is available in the Capital Close Up podcast feed. They're both excellent ways to get a hold of this show. We hope you'll subscribe to both. And we're super happy that you're listening to us on WKXL Radio, which you can hear all over New Hampshire. Mike, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. I love being on the radio airwaves. And I do want those out there listening in the radio to send in a question because we're definitely getting more questions and comments. So when you've safely pulled off the road to wherever you're going, uh, or if you're listening in the office, jot down a question and send it in because we would love to answer those here on the podcast and on the air. All right, so there are two ways that people can get their questions into us. Let's just repeat them as always. One is by email. What's that email address? Financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Also feel free to look up the Beyond Politics with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson Facebook page. That's the name of our overall show slot. We're on every day, four to six on WKXL radio. And so if you go to Facebook, you can just enter a question there. We will see it, we will check it out, or you can send in an email. And Mike's right, pull over to the side of the road if you're driving, or if you're in the office, pull over to the side of your office. <laughs> Don't let your boss catch you doing your personal financial planning. Speaking of questions that we get from listeners, we have a question from a listener, which is awesome. I'm going to read it. Mike, the question is, the current economic situation seems to be taking a turn. High inflation. Wait, hold on a second, Matt. Yeah. You said economic. I pronounce it economic. You said economic, and you just threw me for a loop on the whole question. Economic or economic? That's an interesting question. I, I think it depends on what sentence you catch me in. I don't... I, <laughs> What's, what now you throw me All off. right. Let's Read you. the question. Here we go. Let's go. All right. The current economic situation seems to be taking a turn with high inflation, interest rates on the rise, and the pandemic potentially slowing down, allowing the economy to reopen. Given that, I'm curious about how to choose investments for the future. Even for the long term, five to 10 years, how do you perceive this environment and what investments will you be shifting, Mike Morton? Yeah. So there's a lot in that question. It's a really great question because I do feel we're in a slightly different time, right? The last five years, call it, things have been just talking along, <laughs> pandemic aside, but in terms of the economy and profits and companies and low interest rates, we've been in that environment for a long time, no inflation to speak of. And now inflation's obviously kicked up, interest rates are on the rise with the Fed stepping in this year. And the economy is still heating up, potentially reopening in, in certain areas. We've seen a shift with what stocks have been doing well, technology stocks coming down, energy and financial stocks on the rise. So given that, you could tend to think, oh, okay, for the next five or 10 years, maybe we're in this little bit of a shift. And so how do we position our portfolios for the next long while? I'll use that from the, from the question here. And what should we do thinking about that future? from right. a sort of macroeconomic perspective. Yeah, that makes sense to me. As as much as you've been very super clear on this show that what you want to do is invest for the long term, and if you do nothing else, just get into a good index, go with the market over time, that'll do well for you. Obviously, the listeners to this show are people who 
do want to think a little bit more deeply about how they're positioning themselves. Maybe they're investing in individual sectors, industries, types of investments, or individual stocks. And right, I've seen as we're recording this, and obviously the show might have a long shelf life, but this week we've just seen this big stock market tumble from Meta, the holding mm -hmm. company over Facebook. And some of it is because of apparently the, the expectation of rising interest rates, which means less free money available to big companies that like to invest in lots of speculative stuff. So it, it would make you, if you're in that realm of thinking about more individualized investing, it would make you rethink a little bit what that next five to 10 year picture looks like. Yeah, so let me break apart some of the components. One, the first thing that the listener has long-term five to 10 years and in investing frameworks, that is extremely short. So mm. you have to understand that the <clears throat> investing, Typically, when I look at how to invest and the research behind that, any five-year period, you could see a lot of volatility. And that sounds bizarre because we're humans and five years is a really long time for us. <laughs> Think of where you were five years ago in your life. But the markets ebb and flow with a much longer time horizon. So the, the classic economic uh, cycle, business cycle would be five to 10 years um, going through these peaks and troughs. So you have to take a really longer term time horizon. So that is just not very long to even evaluate an investing strategy. A five or 10 years is just not that long to evaluate that kind of investing mm. strategy. So realize that first. But let me ask you this question, Matt. So now we're thinking, okay, given the backdrop that we just talked about, this economic environment shifting. If you looked at it, you said, well, geez, maybe international will be better than the US. I have, I've got a thesis that investing in the international markets would be better or this sector, the financials or energy. I think that sector will be better over the next five to 10 years. If you have some thesis like that, first of all, how confident are you in that thesis? Let's say you're 60% confident. Oh, geez, I'm better than a coin flip. I don't know, 50-50. So I, I hopefully feel more confident than that. So I'm 60 or 70% confident. Okay. So you're going to go and make those bets. So I'm going to invest in these sectors in this thing. Right. What if you're wrong? Yeah, what I would probably do, it, I guess the general version of the question is, if you're making a decision and you're 60% confident, it depends what the stakes are, right? Like if I'm 60% yep. confident that my house is not going to blow up this morning, <laughs> then I'm pretty worried about the 40%. 40% right. is bad. Like 40% chance of my house blowing up. That's not great. So I, yep. I if it's 60% that I'm going to get a good chicken club sandwich, at the, which by the way, it, downtown Concord has the best, that's a side note. But the point is, yeah, <laughs> I, I, if, I'm, if there's a 40% chance that I'm wrong, I don't really care. So if you're talking about the investments. Let me ask it, let me ask it this way. So you are, you've got some thesis. Hey, I think this right. thing based on the macroeconomics, I think it's more likely this is a better, you know, investment outcome. I'm about 60, 70% confident. I mean, obviously you're not going to yeah. be a hundred percent and you probably won't even be like 80 or 90. So yeah, what would you do? I'm going to hedge. I'm not going to go all in on it. I'm not going to, I'm 60% confident. So yep. my thesis is, let's say my thesis is, you know what, these tech stocks, these Facebooks and Googles, they're not going to do well. They're going to go through a rough patch in the five to 10 year period. So I'm going to, I'm not, I'm bearish on those. Yep. If that's my thesis, and I'm sure there's a way I could figure out how to place a bet on that in the market, but am I going to put my kid's college fund into that? No, <laughs> right. like I'm, okay. I'm, I, I might, I'm going to hedge. 
All right, fine. So you say, all right, we'll take, I'm going to just tilt, we call it tilting your portfolio right, right, away right. from those technology companies. Okay, so 10 or 20% of your portfolio is tilted away from the companies. You don't think they're going to do as well in the future like they've done screamingly in the past. <clears throat> now, we could have said this a few years ago. There were a lot of articles around breaking up big tech companies. And right. then look what's happened the last couple of years. You would have missed out on all that. Okay, so now my next question to you, Matt, is, all right, you've taken that in your portfolio. When do you reevaluate that if mm. you're right or wrong? That's a good one. Just gut instinct. I, based on everything that we discuss on this show, my gut is you don't reevaluate like every day or every few weeks. I probably would, if we're talking about a five to 10 year horizon, I'm probably going to try hard not to reevaluate for six months. Right. So I love the way you answered that because <clears throat> you said you would try hard not to reevaluate. Now, I started this with telling you investing time horizons, five to 10 years is pretty short. And right. so now you're in a situation, just you and the listeners out there imagining their own thesis and how they would make those bets. Right. And now they're putting themselves in the future like you are and saying, well, I would try hard not to think about it slash stress about it slash reevaluate. Now, what if it's turning against you? Oh, in one year, which we know is a very short investing time horizon. Right your tilt is not working out in your favor. Geez, Facebooks and, and Apples and Microsoft, they're making uh, money hand over fist still. These things, whatever happens, uh, they're still doing really well this year. And your, your tilt isn't working out in your favor. Mm. Do you stick with your strategy? I probably do. I probably do. If, and the reason is, if I had a strategy that was a five to 10, if, uh, the way you put it, the way investors put it, I had a thesis which is mm -hmm. here's what's going to happen in this time horizon. Mm -hmm. If I have something that disproves my thesis, right? Let's say my thesis relies on, I am confident that regulators are gonna break up Facebook, but for that to happen in my time frame, action has to start within the next year. If something happens to disprove my thesis, mm -hmm. then I'll change strategy. But right. if my thesis is still valid, and if I'm tilting with an amount of money that I can afford to tilt with, that isn't going to totally destroy my future, then yeah, I'm probably sticking with it. I feel like I might be wrong, but that's I my mean, gut. The, look, all of this has to do with individual investing and, and the framework for how you wanna do that investing. And so we started this with the listener right. question, hey, I think given the backdrop, do you have a thesis? My answer is I don't really have a macroeconomic thesis. I'm walking you through where I would get to in terms of investing, which we talked about on this show, but also today's episode, why I talk about it in this way. So what we're going through is your own framework and thinking about your thesis and when do you evaluate it? This is an important question to me is how you just answered that. If you have a thesis and you invest in that, write it down and revisit it every so often, whatever that means to you ahead of time, I'm gonna revisit it on, the, on this schedule and think about it. Right. But what I don't want you to do is switch strategies every other year. Right. And it's much better to stick with a strategy than to switch it. And what I'm trying to say is, if you are 60 or 70% confident, that means there's a good chance you were wrong. And if there's a good chance you're wrong, then what does it cost you? That was your point. And what do you gain? If you switched 10 or 20% of your portfolio to hopefully make five or 10% more over a five or 10 year time horizon, with not that great of a confidence, yeah, maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't. And you've caused yourself a lot of stress in the meantime, revisiting 
this allocation, monitoring your portfolio. Now, if it's fun for you and you like picking some individual stocks and doing that's great. But the question was more, given the macroeconomics, would you shift your portfolio? And by what we've talked through today, you can see how hard it is right. and why it's not really worth the effort because you're just not that confident. Even if you came up with a thesis, you're not going to be that confident and you'll probably end up switching strategies. I don't want to literally bet the house and I don't want to get into a situation where I'm second guessing myself. It sounds like part of what you're saying is that key question of when do you reevaluate, you, that has to be part of your strategy. You have to write down, here are the circumstances under which I think my thesis has been disproven and it's time to bail. And here is the time frame that I'm going to look at this and I'm going to put that in my drawer. And also, I want you to realize how much money you could potentially make or lose. And I would look at that ahead of time. Look, I'll bet, like you said, maybe 10 or 20 percent tilt a portfolio. What are your expectations about coming out ahead or behind, mm. make an extra five or 10 percent, put some dollars behind it and then realize right. it's not going to change your life. You're not starting a new company that you hope to have an IPO. You aren't, betting, like you said, betting the house on one thing that you hope to double in a year. That would really have a significant impact in your lifestyle. We're talking about tilting things and, and making some bets. So that behind us, let me tell you why. I talk about the things that I do on this show, which is investing for the long term and keeping a very simplified portfolio. Mm. Look, if I believed that there was a reason to invest in certain sectors or to invest in a tilt of portfolio certain ways, then I would definitely tell the listeners, okay? This isn't trying to avoid some extra work and effort and thinking. The point is that not only can you avoid all that extra work by having a simple portfolio, you actually come out ahead. So it's a double win. You're going to come out ahead and you're going to avoid all the stress and the work. And here's why, Matt, because I've looked at the past and the research behind it. And so when we're talking about actively managed funds versus passive, all these active managers, you can give the, a, port, a fund manager some money and they're doing this exact thing that we're talking about today. What's the macroeconomic environment? Where should we tilt portfolios? Where should I invest? I think this country is better than this country. I think tech is not so good. I think energy is better. They're actively managing the money. This is what they do. And when you look at the results, 80% of this is the large cap funds. So we can look at actively managed versus passively passive index fund, like an S&P 500, large cap, U.S. large cap. At 80% of actively managed U.S. large cap funds underperform the simple S&P 500 over 10 years. Mm. So 80% of these managers trying to predict what we are today, the listener question, what's the macroeconomic environment? Where am I going to invest dollars? That's what fund managers do all day long. And 80% of them underperform a simple buy and hold of the S&P 500. And this is why I recommend what I do. A simple buy and hold of a well-diversified portfolio will outperform 80% of active managers out there. It's, so it's going back to your example, and it could be the chicken sandwich or the house version of it. It's not that I'm 60% confident. <clears throat> it's that I should be 80% confident that I'm wrong. That, that whatever thesis I have is probably not as good as not having a thesis. Yeah, now part of it's the fees. I do want to be clear. Part of it, like the active managers underperform after fees, okay? Because you can just buy and hold the S&P 500 oh, for see. so see. cheaply. And you might charge you 1%. So now they have to beat the S&P by that 1% just exactly. to even make up their fees. So if you're doing it on your own, obviously, you should pay yourself for all that time and effort. <laughs> but you probably don't track it that way. 
But that's my point. So what you just said, Matt, I'm 80% confident that a simple buy and hold of the of uh, large index funds will outperform actively managed funds over 10 years time horizons, looking backwards, historical data. Let's say you have some money that you want to tilt with. You, you feel like you're well diversified, but you're like, look, there's a certain portion of this where I, I, it is fun for me, or I just, I want to be a little bit more aggressive. Where would you go to develop a theme? What I would do there is for that individual that has some money that they want to, we call it play with in quotes. I want to make yeah. some active bets. Just make sure again that how much are you going to do? What's the dollar amount? And what is your own framework for doing that? Hey, I'm going to do this dollar amount and I'm going to invest in these kinds of things, hoping to achieve this. Now, everybody has their own, there's no place that I can send listeners to do that because everyone has their own concept of, oh, I like these kind of companies or I work in this sector. I know I've got some inside information about these companies that I think will do well. And that's great. And a lot of my clients have that itch they need to scratch. And so we set aside some amount of money and make a little game or a framework and say, okay, $40,000 and just track that. The number one tip I can give you is to track what you do over time and then in one or two or three years just compare it to a low-cost index fund if you're betting on u.s companies just do it you know versus the the total u.s stock market just see that makes it a more fun game did you come out ahead how did you do you know how is it working out for you so i would definitely just you know give that tip as well good way to keep yourself yeah. honest and you may or may not want to share your performance versus that low-cost index fund with your spouse. <laughs> That's right. It really depends on <laughs> how right. you did. My advice to you is don't. Even, Even if, if you, you did, did well, well, that means that your spouse is going to want to know the That's next right. time. Just don't <laughs> set yourself up that way. It's the same reason don't do the laundry well when your spouse asks because of expectations. <laughs> All right, Mike Morton, thanks very much for running down that listener question. We have uh, another listener question pending with us. I'm looking forward to getting to that one in our next episode. So please, listeners, keep sending those along. For Mike Morton, I'm Matt Robeson. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.